The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Welcome to our show this beautiful Saturday. Uh, September the 23rd, 2023. Welcome to the show, my friends. We've got a packed one as usual today. We've got some great guests uh, who are going to fill you up with a lot of information. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, my friends, please use this information to talk to your politicians, both local, state, and national, because we are in a whale of a lot of trouble. Yep. Yep. So uh, let me tell you who they are and what they're going to be talking about. Real quick, uh, Mr. Randy Clark, uh, a Breitbart reporter, for, at, uh, border reporter, uh, he's a regular guest. He has been in Eagle Pass on the other side of the border, over in the Mexican side. And he's got a lot to tell about um, the transportation of uh, these illegal aliens to the border and uh, how they're getting to our border so that they can get across. He's got a lot of information uh, you're going to want to hear his report. Then we've got my good friend Ira Melman, who is the media director for the Federation for American Immigration Reform, FAIR. And um, he's going to be telling you what is going on in D.C., what has been going on the past week in D.C. with several things. There have been some victories, for example, with regards to DACA, the Dreamers, uh, who entered the country as kids. Uh, but illegally and uh, forever they've been trying to justify their their existence. Uh, then we've got Mr. Um, Rodney Scott, the former National Border Patrol chief. He's going to be talking to us about uh, what's going on with the Border Patrol agents. And our final guest is Mr. Todd Bensman from the Center for Immigration Studies. You're going to want to hear what he's got to say, my friends, because it is very disturbing, the number of of uh, terrorists that are getting across the border. So, without further ado, my friends, let's go to our first guest, Mr. Randy Clark. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, and we've got our good friend, Randy Clark, from the uh, from Breitbart, and he is on the border today. He is uh, reporting uh, about a um, situation, about a mass uh, entry into the United States. Randy, welcome to the show as usual. Tell us what is going on. Well, George, we've got uh, significant size groups crossing in mass in Eagle Pass. Uh, on Monday, uh, there was a group of about 1,500 that, that entered into the city near the heart of downtown between 12 midnight and 6 a.m. Uh, on Tuesday morning, I traveled to Mexico to report from Piedra Negras. Uh, and watched as the migrants got off a train. There were nearly 3,000 of them. The the hard, the soft count right now is about 2,500, between 2,500 and 2,600. So we've had about 7,000 migrants hit Eagle Pass in the last 72 hours. So our shelters are packed. Uh, they are turning people away who can't afford their bus ticket to San Antonio and other places in the interior of the United States. They are almost exclusively Venezuelans. Uh, of the 2,500 that I watched cross the river this morning, uh, on Tuesday, on Wednesday rather, that was, uh, I there was probably a few Colombians and Cubans, but mostly Venezuelans. There were some dropping CBP-1 uh, appointment records, so they're not waiting for their appointment. Uh, they were discarding identity documents on the Mexican bank of the Rio Grande. Uh, so right now we've got about a thousand still being detained outdoors by the border patrol under the Camino Real Bridge 2 and Eagle Pass. Uh, the city's mobilized. They are moving a lot of earth to make room for all weather roads to get in and out. So I think the border patrol is realizing that this may be a prolonged situation and they're preparing adequately because most facilities, whether it's hardened Border patrol stations or the soft-sided facilities like the one we have near here in Eagle Pass are, at are way over capacity. 
The one we have here is three times its intended capacity. And uh, so the board has their hands full. They've been shipping bodies to the Texas Rio Grande Valley, to Laredo and to Big Bend sectors to help out. But at this point, uh, those folks have to be feeling the impacts of this as well. Now, tell us about the situation with uh, people traveling north. We're getting a ton of folks here in uh, San Antonio who are arriving. But once they get here, many of them are not able to travel on further because they don't have the money. And it used to be that the folks here would guarantee to them that they would give them money to uh, to travel on to their uh, final destination. That's not the case anymore. What is going on? Give us an explanation if you can. Well, so I, I have a... Uh, suspicion that the end of the year budget battles are probably fueling some of this. You know, we had the fires in Maui. Uh, we had the hurricane in Florida. So FEMA's bleeding money. They are the ones that are reimbursing these shelters and the cities. I think that's why you see New York and Chicago uh, breaking down right now. Uh, I, I don't think these people realized that poor migrants are exactly that. They are poor migrants and uh, they do not have the funds to sustain themselves and they have no mechanism or family members in the United States to help them out. These are the world's poorest people coming, whether it's Arizona or it's South Texas. Uh, people are, are now starting to find out that it may not have been a good idea to ask them to surge the border when Joe Biden was at the Democratic National Debate before winning office. The, uh, the situation with um, uh, the nonprofits uh, who are helping to transport people. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Well, you know, there, there are different organizations in, in different areas. Here it's the United Methodist Church-run Border Hope Shelter. We know that they're turning away migrants that don't have sufficient funds. They go right on the street. Oh Those my that gosh. have sufficient funds, they're allowed to stay until they purchase their bus ticket and leave. Uh, the Catholic Charities runs different shelters in the Rio Grande Valley and, and elsewhere. Uh, they're in the same business, really, of trying to move these bodies into the interior of the United States. Uh, so I know uh, Governor Abbott, you know, gets a lot of criticism for New York's problems, but he's not the root of their problems. He brought it to light by sending those buses to these sanctuary cities. The migrants were going there in the dead of night on their own anyway. So, But now they're finding out that when they get there, it's not like years past that they're coming to meet a brother or an uncle or relatives and they have a place to stay on their own and they're seeking employment right away. These are folks that they don't have work authorizations. Many of them are working underground. They're making money that's just paid to them in cash and it's not contributing back into the tax base. So I think they're finally coming to realize, you know, what the burden is. Now, what about this train that was moving to, to the north uh, through Mexico? We had heard uh, there was a report that it was going to stop and uh, it was not going to go any further. What has happened with that? So I have some sources in Mexico that were in Monclova, and the train did briefly stop. Uh, the city officials were set to try and take care of the migrants and bring them food before they could get there. Uh, the train was allowed to, to uh, take off again towards Piedra Negras. Uh, basically, there's so many migrants on these trains that they are more in control of the train moving than the conductor because they begin to riot and get angry when that train stops. Uh, there's not adequate shelter for them there and they realize there's no provisions so they they begin to get somewhat agitated and I think that spooks the federal mix and they just get them back on the on the rail and going, going north again. Wow. So there are several trains in route to Piedra Negras right now that I'm being told of and the next one has roughly 3,000 migrants on it. Wow, wow. So these these uh, trains are both arriving in Matamoros as well as in, in Piedras Negras then? Yeah, in, in Monterrey, Mexico, there, there's an interchange where these trains can head off towards Juarez, they can head off to the Rio Grande Valley, or they can continue on into Coahuila. So there are migrants on multiple routes. Uh, we know that, that from at least what our sources are telling me, uh, there's a significant number heading to Coahuila, and I'm uncertain of the numbers that may be headed towards Matamoros and Juarez. Wow. So uh, the bottom line now is, uh, since you are a former Border Patrol agent, these folks are now not even presenting the CPB-1. They're just crossing, and that's the end of it, uh-huh. 
they're tired of waiting in Mexico. Uh, there was some very shocking video out of Tapachula where they were basically crashing down the barriers outside the Mexican immigration office because they want those permits to travel through Mexico freely. They've just lost all patience and they're sending us a very big message. And that is we are coming and you can't do anything to stop us. Wow. Well, that's exactly what the mayor, what the uh, president of Colombia said the other day is that um, there are armies coming and there's nothing that the uh, that that uh, the developing nations, particularly the United States, can do to stop them. In it's yes, incredible. And it is incredible, and it's a lot to ask of those other countries. You know, we're not helping ourselves. We are the magnet. We're the draw. And we are trying to look to Mexico, and we're trying to look to Colombia, and we're trying to look to Panama to say, stop this flow. Well, we hold that key. Uh, this administration absolutely refuses to take any action, and they have the plan laid out for them. It's the plan that they destroyed on day one when they got in. Yep. Multiple country asylum agreements, multiple speedy asylum adjudication remain in Mexico. The list goes on. The blueprint is there. Uh, but ICE has been dismantled. There's no real removal mechanism in the United States anymore. Uh, so we've kind of done this to ourselves, and, and this is hurting those other nations also. You know, this is their young workforce. Uh, there are places in near Honduras, Nicaragua, that there are very few adult males of working age in a lot of these communities. Wow. You know, that no one, nobody thinks about that impact. Uh, on the, on on those countries that are sending people, you know that they are they are being adversely affected as well. Jeez. Well, and meanwhile, you know we are sending the jobs that these people might be able to do in the manufacturing industry to their home countries. Yes. We've invested hundreds of millions of dollars in Honduras, Nicaragua, Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala to address the root causes. Well, of course, the businesses are going to love to put the factories there. That's where the cheap labor is. Correct. Meanwhile, the labor force from there is coming into the United States. So we've got this totally backwards. Yep, we do. We absolutely do. Randy, thank you for taking time to be with us today. Tell the folks where they can follow you. They can follow me at Randy Clark BBTX on Twitter. They can look for all of the stories that we do on border reporting at Breitbart.com under our Cartel Chronicles world page. Uh, and they can they can find us on the main page as well. You got it. Thank you very, very much, folks. We've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Brandy Breitbart. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Randy Clark from Breitbart reporting from the uh, from the front lines at the border. Stay safe, my friend. Thank you, George. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And uh, we've got our very good friend, Mr. Ira Melman from uh, FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, uh, our sponsor. And I wanted to get him on because uh, we need to get some updates on what is happening. I mean, so much of what we hear and see is just directly related to what is uh, happening here in our own backyard of people crossing and uh, and being processed here in, uh, uh, at the border. Ira, thank you very much. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And uh, let me ask you, first of all, give us an update about DACA, the, um, the DREAMers. Well, a, a federal judge in Texas uh, decided, ruled just last week or the week before that DACA is an illegal program, uh, that there is no constitutional authority for the president to simply create a program that declares an entire class of illegal aliens uh, off limits to immigration enforcement. Uh, you know, this is something that should have been brought before the courts when President Obama first created this program in 2012. Uh, the Republicans didn't have the backbone to challenge it. Uh, it they left it up to the states, and that occurred many years later. But nevertheless, it is making its way through the legal system. Uh, President Obama, on 22 occasions before he signed that executive memo back in 2012, said he didn't have the constitutional authority to do this. Uh, so I think there's a pretty strong case to be made uh, that DACA should not be in place at all. Uh, it, it's going to go to the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, it has been back and forth through the lower courts. Uh, the, the Fifth Circuit sent it back to uh, 
to the actually the Fifth Circuit upheld the lower court and then sent the Supreme Court sent it back to be re-adjudicated. Uh, but the bottom line is this needs to be addressed by the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, it needs to be done quickly because not only does this affect immigration policy, if you establish a precedent that a sitting president can decide he doesn't like the laws, that Congress won't change the laws to his will, uh, that he's just going to go ahead and create a program that makes an end run around the law, then we're in even bigger trouble than we already are. You got it. I mean, and, and it has been declared uh, un- un- unlawful, uh, unconstitutional several times before, has it not, uh, by lower courts. Yeah, you know, this has been through the courts on a number of occasions. The same judge uh, a year or two ago ruled that it was uh, an illegal program on the part of the the Obama administration. Uh, It, it, you know, it bounced around the courts and was sent back to his courtroom. Uh, This was precipitated by a new set of rules that the Biden administration issued, I think it was earlier this year or late last year, uh, that codified uh, DACA. Uh, So it it came up again. Uh, He said that the new rules that were issued by the administration didn't substantively change the program in any way uh, to make it more legally uh, palatable. Uh, So, you know, again, this is something that should have been dealt with years and years ago, uh, better late than never, I suppose. And it is now back. um, It's now back in the queue and hopefully it will reach the Supreme Court pretty quickly. Let's uh, now talk about the release of illegal aliens by the Border Patrol. We are uh, in the interviews that we are doing down here. Um, we we get, I mean, everybody is now telling us that uh, they are simply crossing under the bridge and uh, not through a port of entry, but under the bridge, introducing themselves to the Border Patrol and then being released. What is going on? What is going on is that the administration has a catch and release program in place. Uh, you know, they are legally bound to detain uh, illegal aliens or send them back. Clearly, they're not doing it. You know, if you go back to May, when uh, Title 42 came to an end, you had Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, uh, warn that if people are caught coming across the border between ports of entry, uh, that there would be severe consequences. Well, it turns out uh, the severe consequences are not severe at all. They're not even consequences. And that once again, the administration is lying to us when it comes to enforcement of our immigration laws. You know, they're claiming to be enforcing the laws, but their own data tell us otherwise. So, you know, if you wonder why so many people are heading to the United States right now, you know, you may have seen the video of that train load of people uh, coming up from central Mexico to the U.S. border. It is precisely because they are watching what this administration is doing. They're not listening to the words that they're saying, oh, no, don't come, that there are going to be consequences. Everybody knows that that is a lie, that there are no consequences, that if you come to the United States illegally, uh, you probably have about a 93 percent chance of being released into the into the country. Uh, You you know, 20 percent of the people that they release, they don't even know where they are. They have no valid addresses to track where they are. Uh, And even those that they can track, the system is so backed up with bogus asylum claims that it can take a decade before they were, will ever see the inside of a courtroom. Uh, and even if their claims are denied, and most of them are completely bogus, as I said, uh, so they will be denied, they're not going to leave anyway. So, you know, this administration has made it clear, just come here, violate our, our laws, uh, abuse our political silence system, and you'll be just fine. It's amazing. It's really, really shocking. The number of people that um, are walking around with cell phones uh, at the Migrant Center and telling their friends that now is the time to come. I mean, they've told us, frankly, that that they tell their their friends and family members this is the time to come because they can they can get in and get released. Right. And, you know, we're seeing the numbers of encounters reflect precisely that. Uh, look, I mean, people understand the system and we we have social media, we have cell phones. Uh, this can be communicated to people all across the world. You know, it's something like 150 countries are sending people to the United States illegally right now. Uh, and. You know, the, there was a temporarily temporary lull after uh, the the after Title Forty Two went away back in May because Mayorkas said, you know, there there are going to be consequences. 
then the people quickly realized that there were no consequences. And now we are seeing numbers even greater than we saw before. Plus, the administration is abusing the power of parole. So not only are we seeing a flood of people coming across the border illegally, the administration is letting people in through the ports of entry or flying them into the country. Uh, So we have the worst of both worlds. We have a border that is out of control, and we have an administration that is out of control and abusing their executive power. Wow. Now, FAIR is the foremost number one uh, organization in the world, or, or in our country, should I say, that fights we'll, against... We'll, we'll go with the world. We'll go with the world. That's <laughs> yeah. that, that fights for immigration reform, immigration control, sanity and immigration uh, policy. However, we seem to have Democrats in Congress that are actively encouraging Biden and the administration to use illegal executive actions or loopholes... Uh, well, not even legal loopholes to just to just to let uh, folks uh, around the system. Uh, tell us about this. Yeah, uh, you know, amazingly, even amidst a crisis like this, half of the Democrats in the House of Representatives last week sent a letter to President Biden saying that, you know, he should use more executive power or abuse more executive power to allow people to come into the United States to gain work authorization more quickly, uh, to limit the number of people who can be removed from the United States. Uh, It's just astounding. And what's even more astounding is that the very first signature on that letter was that of Gerald Nadler, uh, who is the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee on the Democratic side. He he represents New York City. New York City is staggering under uh, this influx of migrants. Mayor Eric Adams has said this will destroy New York City. Uh, And yet he and AOC and a whole bunch of other members joined with, you know, the 103 House Democrats who said, let's do this. Uh, You know, last Friday they held a press conference front of the Roosevelt Hotel, which is right across the street from Grand Central Terminal. Uh, That's where they're housing a lot of the migrants, a former luxury hotel uh, now turned into a migrant shelter. Uh, They were shouted down. By New Yorkers, they couldn't even get their words out. Nobody could hear them because they were being so loudly. They were they were getting the Bronx cheer from people in Manhattan, I guess. Uh, but it, it, it just staggers the imagination that amidst all this, they want to create a situation that will encourage more people. These are economic migrants. They're not refugees. They're not asylees. Uh, they're coming here because they want jobs. And these Democrats are saying, let's give them work authorization the minute they cross the border. You know, the only possible result of that is that more people will come. If you know you don't have to wait six months to get work authorization, that's even another incentive on top of all the other incentives we offer. Now, let me ask you, is, I mean, are, are, are they completely tone deaf? Because uh, these are their constituents, uh, Nadler's constituents and, and AOC's constituents that are screaming and yelling, yet um, they just don't seem to care or... Uh, is the agenda that much more important than the politics? It, it would seem so. Uh, you know, the, look, the White House, you know, the, wh- whoever is running it there, the, these are not stupid people. They understand that this doesn't have support from the American public, but they're willing to go ahead and do it anyway. This is an ideological uh, thing with them. They want open borders. They don't care what the short-term political consequences might be. Uh, they are playing the long game here. Uh, you know, I suppose, you know, they're not looking at the 2024 election or the 2028 election. They're looking 2036, 2040, that the long-term impact of this will be. Uh, look, I mean, it, it clear they, clearly they have an ideological agenda, and they are pursuing it at all costs. And it, it is a huge cost. It's a cost in terms of uh, money that has to be expended. It, it's a cost in terms of the impact on people's lives. Uh, you see protests that were just last night in Staten Island. There was a huge protest against this. It is affecting people's livelihoods, uh, their children's education, their access to public services, uh, the safety of their streets, national security. This, this administration doesn't seem to care, and apparently those 103 Democratic members don't care either. Now, it's, it, it, it seems to me that if it's happening in New York with illegal aliens being brought in, 
it's going to happen in other communities eventually as well. Smaller communities, mid-sized communities, it's going to happen all over the country. True? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, there is a capacity that even a city the size of New York has. Uh, The migrants aren't stupid. They're going to go to places where there are opportunities. Uh, You know, if New York is so overwhelmed... Uh, and becomes, you know, unlivable or, or destroyed, as Eric Adams is warning. Uh, you know, there are lots of other cities around the country, and you have all these sanctuary cities that continue to declare uh, themselves sanctuaries in spite of the impact that it's having, uh, who are saying, you know, essentially saying, if you come here, we will protect you, we will provide for you. So, you know, if you live in one of those sanctuary cities, uh, it's coming soon to a neighborhood near you. Wow. It's scary. It's absolutely scary. Ira, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us today. Uh, Folks, we've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Ira Melman from uh, the Federation for American Immigration Reform Fair in Washington, D.C. Keep up the fight, my man. Keep fighting for us. And uh, we'll we'll get you back on for another update soon. Look forward to it. Thank you. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies. I've got him on because, um, my friends, this weekend has been historic as far as the entry of illegal aliens. Thousands have come across. In fact, this morning, and we are talking, we're recording this on Monday morning, September the 18th. And uh, this morning in Eagle Pass, there were 2,000 people that crossed in one in an hour's period. Um, Todd, you've got uh, welcome. First of all, welcome to the show, of course. Good uh, to be here. Th- uh, you've just finished writing a new article, and it's called Insights from Giving and Watching. Um, give us some insights about what is going on with our immigration system and our borders. Sure. The piece is up at CIS.org, Insights from Giving and Watching Congressional Testimony. And this is just sort of my um, kind of uh, thinking about, you know, testifying last week for the Judiciary Committee, a subcommittee, about terrorist entry at the southwest border. And my contention was, you know, so many have been crossing in this mass migration crisis of the last two and a half years that the counterterrorism programs that were in place to keep us, that have kept us safe from attack from the southern border are disintegrating. They're not being conducted. They're not being done anymore, mainly, um, you know, face-to-face interviews with people from terrorist countries who have been crossing. And so as a result, I mean, we've had at least 258 on the terror watch list caught at the border in the last two and a half years with many, many more just flooding over. Uh, It's just a matter of time. Fingers crossed is what I say. But my point here was that, you know, none of the Democrats would would believe it. They wouldn't they wouldn't listen. They weren't interested in asking questions. They just dismiss the whole testimony. This is from me and two other government witnesses with actual experience in the intelligence or law enforcement community with this problem. Wouldn't wouldn't question us, dismiss everything we said, wouldn't even acknowledge that there was a border crisis. And if you're not going to acknowledge that there's a border crisis, then you're also not going to acknowledge that there's a terrorism, an, an elevated terrorism threat because of these these systems that are that are swamped and overwhelmed and not being done. And that was kind of the gist of, you know, that was kind of my big takeaway was, you know, it's just sad that, you know, 22 years after 9-11, when the entire nation was completely unified, 90%, <clears throat> behind a Republican president, uh, that we are going to stop any kind of terror attack from abroad again, that would ever happen again, that this is where we are. We're just completely divided on just even the basic facts. And not only that, I mean, it was also reported 
that uh, the Biden administration has given uh, Iran uh, $5 billion in exchange uh, and exchanged some uh, hostages as well. Um, it just seems like this administration just really uh, doesn't care about our safety. Right. They just, I mean, the Democrats have a really alternative worldview. Uh, and I mean, when I say alternative, I don't mean alternative from Republicans. I mean, alternative from Democrats. No, no Democrats, you know, historically have been fairly uh, strong on the border, on border security, on preventing terror attack, uh, of acknowledging threats. But uh, yeah, I guess the current generation is just, you know, like on Mars or something. I mean, they're on 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 Jupiter. I mean, they're not they're not here on planet Earth anymore. Where you know their own establishment party had been has has pretty much always been. Now, do you see any indication in Washington D.C. of uh, addressing the 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 border in some form or fashion? other than um, just giving them, you know, free reign to enter? No. Uh, the, the main issue right now at the border is, as we predicted, many of us predicted this in writing when Title 42 ended in May, <clears throat> that there would be a brief pause, but then all the immigrants would figure out that they can get in just by crossing illegally, again, just like always. Uh, and even more so. So they're just pouring in. I mean, I think for the other day we had a 14,000 day, uh, entry. Uh, we're having, you know, all of our processing centers are completely overwhelmed now from, from San Diego all the way to Brownsville. And Border Patrol has been ordered not to enforce, uh, to do any enforcement operations like catching drug smugglers and, and and alien smugglers or anything uh, that they all have to just get into the processing centers so that they can just get them all into the country <laughs> not to get them out of the country but to move all of these thousands and thousands of, of 200,000 people a month into the United States as quickly as possible so that TV cameras can't capture it uh, that there's not a big buildup down there. Their only concern is that TV cameras don't capture uh, big congregations of immigrants wandering around in cities down there. Uh, however, you know, as we know, they're ending up in northern cities and, you know, middle American cities and east coast, west coast, everywhere doing exactly that because the cities can't handle the influx. So, but nobody's acknowledging that there's a problem. In fact, at the hearing that I attended, the Democrats and their witness thought that this was great for America. This is a fantastic development that so many wonderful immigrants are coming to help build our country. <laughs> it, it, is, it is very, you know, it's, it's amusing to hear the northern uh, cities, the Democrat-run cities, uh, screaming for more money, but they don't say anything about closing the border. I don't understand. Well, I do understand that, I guess, now that you say that they see it as a good thing. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, here's here's the thing. is As bad as this mass migration crisis has been for the last two and a half years, you really ain't seen nothing yet. What's coming now is going to be the biggest, worst, most terrible tsunami yet of the crisis you can see it right now in the Darien Gap with migrants from all over the world uh, coming through to the tune of 80,000 a month it used to be that there'd be less than 10,000 in a year yeah and George. we used to panic over 10,000 we used we to would panic. yeah I mean that was a lot and you know 80,000 last month and uh, Michael Yan uh, my colleague uh, a friend and colleague who is in the Darien Gap right now is telling me that he's never he spent a lot of time down there he's never seen this many coming through there's video there's all sorts of evidence about what's coming 
the most ever in the history of the Darien Gap. Wow. I mean, we've had about 350,000 in 2023 alone. 2024 is going to be even greater because they're just letting them all in at the border. And on our southern border, everybody gets in. So, like, why wouldn't that spur the entire world to head this way? And they are. Every processing center at the border is swamped and overwhelmed right now. And, and, and the numbers that are in the Darien Gap coming through are just unbelievably huge. And the question again, the question in, again uh, that follows up, because we're seeing, I, I called it the first phase, everybody coming in. Well, once they're in, what then? How are we ever well, going to accommodate them? How are we ever going to get rid of them if, you know, if we ever want to enforce the law? Well, it's it's next to impossible. I mean, you know, we only have 6,000 ICE agents that do that kind of work. Uh, and there are literally millions of new foreign nationals that were allowed in and that are coming in. And there's going to be millions more before uh, a Republican unchains those 6,000 from their desks and actually has them do interior deportation. There's There's no interior deportation at all. And in fact, uh, an OIG Office of Inspector General report that came out last week says that hundreds of thousands of them didn't even give addresses about where they're going. We have no idea where they are, or they use bogus addresses, or they just made you know one two three Main Street wow. kind of thing. Uh, and they they you know it's a requirement that you have a verified address, but we didn't enforce on it. It's almost as though the administration set things up deliberately so that a future Republican administration well, uh, could do nothing, yeah. uh, nothing whatsoever about this. Well, yeah, and because they can't. And at the same time, it'll, I'm sure that it would be locked up in the courts like DACA is. They've let those DACA kids in. Now, now what? Right. It's going to be, uh, you know, you're going to have this, this massive permanent underclass for years and years and years of illegally present people who are uh, breaking the law to get fake IDs and vehicles and work uh, so that they can survive. Right. And it's just going to be permanent like that in, in the millions uh, who are going to have to live somewhere uh, who are probably going to be needing to be supported by the rest of us and the tax dollar. Correct. Uh, and it's going to be a crime wave. Uh, it's already in place. The crime wave is already happening. Uh, you're going to have massive impacts on the healthcare system. These are all uninsured, uh, or most of them are uninsured. A lot of them are getting Medicaid and state-run free healthcare. But those systems are going to, uh, they're already collapsing. They're in the red uh, you know, they're going to need bailouts. I mean, one way or another, we're, we're paying for it. We're going to exactly. pay for this, and it's going to be hundreds of billions of dollars. It's never going to go away. But as far as the Democrats are concerned, uh, it's going to help America. This is the greatest thing that ever happened, in their view. <laughs> this is fantastic. Uh, but, you know, tell that, tell that to Democratic mayors of cities uh, whose policies have drawn... Uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of migrants who right off fresh off the border who are incapable of supporting themselves. You got it. That's true. My friend, tell the people where they can follow you and um, let's get you back on the show again soon. Yeah, you can um, you can follow me at Benzman Todd on X. Uh, I'm on Getter, Todd Benzman at Getter and also uh, Truth Social. You can find me there. And all of my writings you can find at toddbensman.com. I put everything there, toddbensman.com. My book is Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. You got it, my friend. Once again, we've been speaking with my good buddy, Todd Bensman. The, uh, he is with the uh, Center for Immigration Studies. You take care and keep up the good work. Keep us informed, buddy. Thanks for magnifying my, uh, my material. You got Appreciate it. it. You got it. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Rodney Scott, former Border Patrol, National Border Patrol chief. 
and uh, we I just wanted to get him on because this morning today is uh, is Tuesday September the 19th and we are seeing record numbers of people crossing the border my friends not through the ports of entry but just through the just crossing the river and just introducing themselves to the to the border patrol and uh, gaining uh, entry into the into the US Rodney, thank you very much for taking time to be with us this morning. Thank you, George, for keeping this uh, very, very important issue on uh, on the front burner. Uh, we're trying to. Let me tell you, what is is going on? I mean, what do you hear? What do you see? I know that you were up in Washington D.C. doing uh, testifying recently. What is their reaction to this? Unfortunately, very partisan. So no matter what facts and evidence and photographs that you present to uh, many people on the left today, uh, they want to act like this is not an issue. It's not a problem. And they put their head in the sand. And then people on the right side of the aisle are uh, are up in arms, if you will. They see the threat. They understand the long-term implications. Um, it, I would argue Congress is very much just a reflection of society. It's unbelievably divided. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, facts and evidence are irrelevant. It's all about the emotional piece. But, hey, before we go on, I want to touch on one thing you said, a key word, seeing. So we're seeing massive numbers, like record numbers of illegal immigrants crossing the border. But I, like I told Congress, I really want to make sure that your listeners understand what you're not seeing is more important. The only reason that these numbers are what they are is because these illegal aliens have been told to wait cross the border and surrender. The cartels are using them to completely overwhelm Border Patrol and bring in anything they want in the second wave that you're not seeing. We're, we're not seeing. That is, the illegal immigration is a big threat, but the significant threat to the survival of our country is in that second wave, whether it be narcotics, terrorists, or criminals. And those folks are coming across, I mean, uh, they're still being uh, ferried across in the uh, in, in the areas where that are not protected. I mean, uh, a lot of folks are coming across under the bridge uh, instead of coming through over the bridge and introducing themselves, but coming under the bridge. And then there's others that are just coming through the uh, unprotected areas completely and totally. Correct. And when we say unprotected areas, people need to understand when, like last night, when, when 2,000 people crossed the border in a mass rush, just the natural reaction is that sucks in Border Patrol resources you know, Border Patrol used to have the luxury of keeping a few people back and trying to make smart decisions, but this administration has mandated that Border Patrol respond to the humanitarian uh, issues first before they respond to actual threats and enforcement, which means they're mandated to slide in and start picking those people up, make sure they have food and water, and then that leaves three or four times the amount of border completely unpatrolled than was before that. That's where the cartels bring in through the, the significant threats. And they're doing it day after day after day. This administration knows it, and they refuse to talk about it, and they're completely ignoring the threat. And there, and there is, I mean, obviously at this point, there is no fear of consequences for anybody that gets caught. Uh, it just, I mean, I am not sure whatever happened to ICE uh, enforcement internally if they are functioning <laughs> at all. Yeah. They have been restricted beyond belief. All the authorities are still in place, but this administration has used their priorities memo uh, to really restrict their, their activities. So many of the ICE special agents and the ERO enforcement removal officers uh, are supplementing the border operations. But please don't misunderstand that. That doesn't mean they've been surged to the border to stop the flow. They've been surged to the border to increase the speed at which they can process people oh. and release them into the United States. It just compounds compounds the problem. This administration, and forgive me if my voice doesn't sound as like upbeat as normal, because I'm, I'm. It's really kind of I'm like the agents out in the field. I'm getting a little beaten down by watching this day after day. How many times can you yell from the mountaintop? The Trojan horse is coming. The terrorists are coming. The fentanyl is coming. And no one pays attention before you get a little disgruntled. But that's how all the ICE agents, the URO agents, the Border Patrol agents feel. They feel like they're being forced to be almost part of the smuggling network now um, because this administration isn't trying to do anything to stop it. They're doing everything they can to encourage it. And they're not putting any any uh, pressure on Mexico whatsoever. So if you've seen the trains popping back up again in Mexico, completely overwhelmed with illegal aliens, 
uh, in the past, the U.S. government has put in pressure on Mexico to simply enforce their own laws. It's against the law in Mexico to ride those trains like that, so that they do have authorities. But this administration uh, hasn't put any pressure on Mexico, so Mexico's not putting any pressure on that flow of illegal immigration through Mexico. It's coming right to the U.S.-Mexican border and coming north. And uh, the only people that seem to care are your listeners. We've got to convince more people that this is a threat or I actually don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been speaking with some folks. uh, I've had a couple of folks from New York City that have been on my show and they are just freaking out. Uh, yeah, for with a hundred thousand. For those of you in yeah. Texas, a hundred thousand, and the New York City with millions is freaking out. But yet, Del Rio, Texas, with a population of thirty six thousand, is supposed to ingest forty, fifty, sixty thousand a month. Incredible the hypocrisy is just ridiculous. Really, and and you know, and the thing that that is so critical, uh, so hypocritical here, is that instead of uh, the mayor. Uh, or the mayors of these various cities, instead of them uh, asking that the border be shut, which, you know, I mean, if you're flooding, you turn off the water, uh, they're asking for more money or more buckets, I guess. I don't know. They're asking for more money. Uh, I 100% agree. And the other thing, really, this is really important for everybody in Texas to understand. And then they're also villainizing the governor of Texas because he helped the border communities by buying some buses and sending about 13,000 <laughs> illegal aliens that chose that chose to that go chose to New York. To go. They, were going, right. they were going there anyway, 13,000 out of over 100,000. But they refused to talk about the fact that FEMA funding the Biden administration directly through the non-governmental organizations, they're buying the plane tickets that sent the other 100,000. And that's only what they see. Yeah. They were they were because of the sanctuary city status. New York has always been a draw for illegal immigration. Um, it's just all of a sudden now they they seem to care. It, it, it really is uh, so hip- hypocritical, and uh, and the reaction from locals uh, opposing the uh, settlement or resettlement or or assistance to all of these illegal aliens that's coming in. Uh, those are the same arguments that we've been making down here in Texas forever. And, uh, because it, it, they're common sense. Yeah, they are. It really is. I mean, uh, but common sense doesn't seem to be winning out. Now, uh, do you think in this coming election, and I hate to ask you a political question here, but in, in the upcoming election, do you think that this issue is going to resonate at all? I hope it does, because honestly, and sometimes this sounds like political talking points, but it's not. Border security is national security, and you cannot, you can't have a nation without having some type of a sovereign border. And what we're looking at today, even more so, and I don't mean this in any derogatory way, it's just a fact, you can't ingest this many new people that have no understanding of the culture, the background, various different languages, uh, different religions, and then still be the same country you were before. It's just not, it's not sustainable. So I really hope people wake up. I hope people are willing to have conversations with their friends and family that don't really understand what's going on, because that's the catch. You know, there's tons of people out there right now that get it, understand the border, but it's those people in the middle that don't, they get caught up in the emotions of, oh, it's illegal immigrants are just trying to make a better life for themselves. And they don't understand how the cartel is using them to open the border to bring in any threats. They, they don't understand the long-term impacts of literally simple things like infusing seven or eight new languages into yes. an elementary school. Yes. That the teachers don't speak those languages. And then what is the impact after COVID when our kids are already behind? What's the impact of that school now when the teachers can't even focus on teaching? They're literally trying to explain to somebody in a foreign language, not Spanish, where the bathroom is. Or simple, simple math, simple reading. The implications of this are huge, but we've got to get people in the middle to understand, or, or it's a lost cause. Yep. And then there's the the issue of uh, the defund the police movement that continues to go go on with uh, all of these folks that are coming in, <laughs> who uh, you know traditionally don't trust uh, in, in third world countries that don't trust authority, and now you've got people encouraging them. Not to trust the police. I mean, I 
think that's a recipe. It's a vicious, I, I agree 100%, George. It's a vicious, vicious cycle, and it all comes from the same people. I, yep. I mean, again, I, I, I've tried to stay out of the politics as much as I can, but this has become, it literally has become a dividing factor in the United States. Do we care about law and order? Do we care about right and wrong? Do we believe there is such thing as right and wrong or not? And if you do, sometimes that conflicts with emotions. Everybody on the left focuses on the emotions. Oh, don't you feel sorry for, for that individual that's crossing the river? Do you, but they won't step back and realize that we just gave them to the cartel. That family crossing the river might be going into sex trafficking, and they don't even know it yet because they're not going to know it until they get to the destination. Yep. And all the second and third level effects. Um, but we're we got to get better at communicating that because – Today, unfortunately, with you know two-second sound bites and, and internet headlines, emotions are ruling, and emotions can get you in a lot of trouble when you ignore facts and evidence and only, only go with the emotion. That's true. That's true. Rodney, we'll let you go, but thank you very, very much for joining us and taking time to be with us as usual. We've got to get you back on the show again sometime soon, buddy. Give me a holler and keep up the fight. Really appreciate it. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, we've been speaking with our good friend Rodney Scott, former uh, Border Patrol, National Border Patrol Chief. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. My friends, thank you for joining us today. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the show. I hope you've learned some stuff. I want to thank my guests, Randy Clark from Breitbart uh, News. I want to thank uh, Ira Melman from FAIR and FAIR very especially because they are our sponsor for the show. Uh, I want to thank uh, Rodney Scott. Uh, my very good friend, former National Border Patrol Chief, and, of course, my very good buddy, Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies. They are great. Thank you for joining us, my friends. We continue the fight. We tell you on this show what the regular media is not telling you. We take you behind the scenes. We take you to the to the front lines about what is happening, what are citizens facing regarding the this immigration and border crisis. We take you not only to the border, we also take you to the cities inside the country that are being impacted by this border crisis. So until next time, my friends, thank you very much. Until next week, join us. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. 